0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, a much later edition of the show. We had football camp today. We've got one more football camp to go for the month of June, and that's tomorrow, a seven-on-seven camp. That'll be on Saturday. And that'll wrap things up for the month of June. There'll be one more summer camp, and that'll be the 29th of July. That'll be another top dog camp. Uh, Probably won't have quite as many campers on that day. We had 517 today at last count, one of the biggest camps I've ever seen on a Mississippi State campus. And uh, so with that many guys, you know, sometimes it's tough to kind of make heads or tails of things. We will have kind of a review of some of the known commodities, guys that have Mississippi State offers that were there today. So uh, that's something to look forward to. And then, of course, we'll talk about some uh, Mississippi State College baseball portal news today as well college world series gets underway today Uh, last i saw oklahoma was throttling texas a&m and of course uh, the evening game will be uh, interesting too you know notre dame uh, taking on who are they taking on texas texas won't that be fun And then uh, tomorrow, an interesting day, too. I know most of you are probably kind of waiting to see tomorrow's games. Arkansas versus Stanford, that's your afternoon matinee. And then Ole Miss versus Auburn there in the nightcap. And so a lot of SEC action. Three out of four teams on tomorrow will be uh, from our conference. And how, how interesting that four teams from the SEC West make it to Omaha. One of the things that John Cohen used to tell me years ago when there were only eight teams going to Hoover, he goes, you know, if we can make it to Hoover, we can make it to Omaha. And I didn't always fully appreciate that. Now that uh, I'm a little bit older and a little more maybe in tune with what John's talking about, you know, if you, can, if you can win in the SEC, you can win nationally. It's the best baseball conference in America. And I go back, too, about this whole Ole Miss thing getting in. You know, there are a lot of people say, hey, you know, NC State should have been in over Ole Miss, and I think you could make that argument. I think the bigger bigger thing is, and I've talked about this with some friends as of late, is Grand Canyon getting in. You know, Grand Canyon. And the SEC being the best baseball conference, we deserve to get nine in. NC State would have been a 10th school for the ACC, and we'd have had eight had they gotten in over Ole Miss. And so even though we don't like the fact that Ole Miss made it to Omaha, I mean, the reality of it is they have they've, they've proven their worthiness – in this tournament and so of course i hope they lose and not score a run in either game but um, the reality of it is they're there we're not so we're taking some steps to change that uh, on the mississippi state side to ensure that we get a a much more uh, challenging team next year in many respects and again i think it's going to boil down to uh pitching you know i think i think the lineup will be good it's going to boil down to pitching we've got to kind of commit some resources shall we say Uh, to ensure that we get uh, the bullpen and starters that we need. You know, we've got some guys coming in. We've got to find some other guys to kind of supplement that. So we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit later in the show. But enjoy the College World Series this weekend. I know it'll be a lot funner for us uh, once we don't have the fear of Ole Miss winning one. Uh, You know, so, and again, anything can happen in Omaha. Anything can happen in Omaha. I still like Stanford to win it. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. You may not know this, but uh, this weekend, the new patio area is unveiled. Kind of a grand opening of sorts. New patio area at Bulldog Burger Company here. Uh, be sure and check that out. Go by and um, you know, maybe have that nice little you know meal outside. You can get a great restaurant quality hamburger inside or outside. But uh, nice little area there to kind of sit and chill and have a drink adult or not it's up to you three great locations to serve you university drive here in star vegas gloucester street there in tupelo and the newest one lake harper drive there in the ridgeland flowwood area i love bulldog burger company i have loved them long before they were a sponsor of this show great people doing a great job at a great price have a great restaurant quality hamburger today at bulldog burger company and get spring rolls is your appetizer. They will make you better looking. How about that? Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little bit about the camp festivities today. As I mentioned, it's like 500 kids, and that's the thing, too. is like you kind of lose track when there's that many guys, and I don't know how you can get quality reps for everybody. I mean, you may only get a handful of reps for each guy. It's tough. It's tough to manage that many people. It really is. Uh, I believe the biggest combine that we had when I was doing them was around 300. And we, you know, we could get everybody registered and tested and back on the road by 2 o'clock. I mean, that was always our goal. You know, open up registration. You know, we, we would say we're going to open at 8, but we actually would open earlier. And you get everybody their shirt, you get their picture taken, you get it, and the next thing you know, everybody's on the field and we're rolling. You know, by 10 o'clock, we got everybody tested. And then by, we get to noon, and we can do one-on-ones the rest of the day. And you, you knock out the OLDL stuff by you know by one o'clock, and those guys are finished; they can leave. But uh, three hundred—it's uh, around three hundred—that we had one day in Tupelo, and that's probably the biggest camp that I have personally facilitated. And that's with the, uh, the help of volunteers. Uh, of course, they've got a lot more staff here at Mississippi State, but uh, it is very difficult to manage that many people and get a good evaluation of those prospects. Now, here's the thing, too. You know, there's some guys, of course, that are invited for a workout, and there are other people that show up for a workout. And you've got a lot of guys there at camps today that are really not college football prospects. You know, they're trying to learn something. They're trying to kind of hone their skill a little bit, kind of prepare for their season, hoping to pick up some tricks of the trade from an SEC coaching staff. So not everybody's motivation to camp is the same. There are some people coming camping for an offer and sure they would all love to have an offer from an sec school like mississippi state Uh, but the reality of it is a lot of these guys are never going to play beyond the high school level but you still want them to have a good experience you still want them to come in and have a good experience and leave the mississippi state campus with a very positive feeling because you never know when their cousin or when their brother or when their son or when their teammate is coming up the ranks and is a legitimate SEC prospect. And then you, they'll say, hey, I remember when, you know, my cousin Joe came over here and everybody treated him great. He didn't get an offer, but he had a great experience on the Mississippi State campus. And so that, that's what you always want. Uh, and more times than not, that's exactly what happens. I rarely ever see people complaining about football camps, at least not the kids. I mean, there's always some parents out there, little league parents, who are like, they didn't even look at my kid and you know you want to say hey you know he's 5'7 140 pounds can he hit the curveball you know he's not going to be able to play SEC football but the reality of it is is it's a big day now I want to share with you guys too I shared this story earlier I won't mention the high school this guy was from and it actually is an, an old Miss story how about that very positive story though so Years ago, we were able to do scout.com combines on college campuses. And so we would do one at Mississippi State, the next year we'd be at Ole Miss. We'd do one at Alabama, the next year we'd be at Auburn. Well, after a couple of years, the NCAA outlawed that because other schools, you know, within the conference and within your state felt like, hey, it's a competitive advantage for those schools. It's not fair that Southern Miss doesn't get the opportunity to have a scout.com combine on their campus. It's not fair that UAB or Georgia Southern or Georgia State, it's not fair. And there's probably some truth in all that. Maybe it's not fair. It's like, hey, you have this big event on another school's campus, and all of a sudden the kids are going around taking pictures and having a chance to see the facilities and things like that. So it's basically a de facto unofficial visit that's just not supervised by the staff. Of course, none of the recruiting staff could be there. We couldn't have Mississippi State coaches facilitating the camp. Couldn't have Ole Miss coaches facilitating the camp there. But, you know, we, we got it together. And I remember, you know, when we were doing the one at Ole Miss, I was very involved with in putting that list together. Very involved. And so there were a couple people that had North Mississippi. I had everything from Jackson South, from Jackson to the coast. And I called every single high school in the state of Mississippi, had a list of all these coaches. And and thankfully, the, uh, the Mississippi High School Coaches Association provided me with this great list. You know, I could call the, the, the head coaches directly. And back in those days, some people had home phones and cell numbers. But I, I got everybody. I, I talked to every single coach. And a lot of them were like, hey, um, I, I don't have, you know, I, I don't have a prospect this year, Steve, but thanks for calling. But most people felt like, hey, I've got somebody that can play beyond the high school level, perhaps as a junior college level, and we, we want those guys too. We don't just want, you know, the potential four-star type guys. We didn't just want Fletcher Cox to come. We wanted his teammates to come too, provided they could play above the high school level. And so so we're, we're sending them to Ole Miss, and um, yeah, of course I was up there. And uh, I remember there was one particular school, and I won't say who it is, because I don't want to embarrass the young man. Not a young man anymore. I mean, we're talking, it's probably happened, goodness, 15 years ago. Um, but the reality of it is, is—is uh, so I called his coach. He goes, hey, I've got a kid. He's kind of a marginal guy, may be able to play uh, juco ball, but he's a great kid, and I'd like for him to be able to go. And I'm thinking, okay, number one, if this coach really wants his guy to go, I need to get him on the list. And if he has a realistic chance of playing beyond the high school level, we want him on that list because what if he goes to junior college and he grows a couple inches and gets bigger and stronger and all of a sudden he becomes a bona fide D1 prospect? We want to make sure we've got a profile page for him. Uh, We want to make sure that we've got good pictures of him and that we have a relationship with him. We have his phone number. So I invite the kid. And uh, so I get there that day and, like, I go through the registration list and I see all my guys that made it and the ones that didn't. So I'm going through, and I wanted to go and meet each of these young men. And so I go through, and I see this one guy, you know, the one guy that was kind of a marginal prospect. And, guys, when I laid eyes on him, I was like, this guy's not even a marginal prospect. He's lucky to be playing high school football. It's true. And the truth of the matter is, at an elite camp like that, he really didn't have any business there. And it was a part of me I felt a little bit embarrassed, you know, because I was thinking, you know, why would I, you know, I invited this kid and, you know, everybody's going to see that this guy has no business being here. And uh, I really made that more about me than I should have. And so after the camp was over, I took, you know, over the course of the next couple of weeks, I called all these uh, young men or I called their coaches just to make sure everybody had a good time. Make sure that we had you know, correct contact information for everybody. Just kind of following up. That's what you do when you do things in a professional manner. That's how you handle things. And so I called this young guy's house, and his dad answered the phone. And he's like, hey, let me get him for you. And we start talking, and the next thing I know, the guy starts, he gets emotional. Starts weeping a little bit. The dad, not the kid, the dad. And he goes, man, Steve, I just want to thank you for inviting him. He came home. He had the best time. He said, this, kid, this kid's been an Ole Miss fan his entire life. So I always really wanted to do was go play football at Ole Miss. And, of course, he wasn't talented enough to do so. Wasn't going to be able to do that. Didn't have the size, didn't have the skill. May have had the heart, but he just wasn't an SEC prospect. And, again, as I, as I mentioned earlier, borderline junior college prospect. He goes, but Steve, that guy, he had such a great day. Got to get his picture made in the Ole Miss IPF. It was his dream at some point to play at Ole Miss. And for one day, he got to practice in the IPF, the same IPF that his favorite players do. And that conversation changed the way that I looked at evaluating prospects and how I ran football camps and things like that forever. Because it's not just about the big-name guys, because we, we everybody wants to go, oh, I can get this guy. I can get Chad Bumpus and Fletcher Cox and Todd Russell and Cameron Lawrence, and I lived that, too, because when scouts stopped doing camps in Mississippi, I complained about it, and you're like, hey, well, if you think you can do better, do your own camp. I did. I did. But I also began to understand, too, is guys like Fletcher Cox and Denias Thames and, uh, you know, that group of kids, Josh Boyd, Pat Patterson, Ben Sanders, they didn't need a camp. They were established at that point. You know, if we had Vince come to Tupelo when he was an underclassman, who's was a sophomore, you know, guy had a good career at Ole Miss. You know, but what we did is we began to kind of change to make our camps a little more inclusive rather than kind of limit schools and say, hey, I really want this kid. And sometimes you'd have to take this kid because he had the car, right, or his dad was going to bring everybody. So you had to make those deals. And so when I think about the fact that we got 517 kids on camp today, I think, I think back to that conversation. How many young people that were on campus today at Mississippi State have no chance of playing here? The majority of them. I mean, with 500 kids, I mean, you only got, what, I think three kids there that had offers? And so it's like you look at it and you begin to think, well, so why would you have them here? Well, number one, it's relationship building, but also, too. you know, the NCAA says you can't have invitation only camps. And why would you really want them? And let, you know, I can understand if you had the one camp, right? Maybe you've talked about top dog or big dog camp, whatever you want to call it these days. If that was a little more inclusive, you kind of understand it. But you got to have camps like this. You got to have these open camps, these cattle call type camps where anybody can come because everybody has a dream. And how many of those young men today, are gonna say, you know what? I got out there and I got a chance to work with Coach Jeff Phelps as a defensive lineman. And I got a chance to work under the supervision of Coach Steve Sperger Jr. as a wide receiver. And they're gonna leave here today and think, man, it was one of the greatest days of my life. And as a young person, I'm gonna walk out here and say, you know what? I may not have been good enough to play at Mississippi State, but their coaches weren't too good to coach me. Their coaches weren't too good to get out there and instruct me. And listen, let's be honest. I mean, you know, looking at these receivers today, I mean, there's a couple guys that look pretty decent. You know, maybe some underclassmen that uh, become prospects later. But, you know, Steve Spurrier and Mason Miller and those guys, they're working just as hard for those guys that will never get a Mississippi State scholarship offer than they are the ones that do. And it's got to be frustrating. I've never heard anybody say it. And of course, they love the game and they want to help young people improve within our state and have a chance to get better prospects. They do, whether they come here or go somewhere else. Yeah, but the reality of this is, is that um, you know, a lot of these guys went out there and spent you know, about six hours in the heat to coach a bunch of kids that will never play at Mississippi State. And they didn't dog the effort. They didn't just go out there and just kind of go through the motions. I mean, you get out there and you see your coaches out there coaching your kids or your neighbor's kids or kids from your community and your high school, coaching them like their prospects. It's inspiring, and it's not just, you know, something that's germane to Mississippi State. But I began to think about, you know, it's like, oh, I get out here and there's not a lot of content opportunities. You know, it's not not about me. It's not about my day. You know, I'm out there trying to find a story to write about a kid that's uh, got a dream, right? But how many of those kids will never be interviewed, never have their photographs taken? Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo get ready to roll man and uh, I remember being a kid that was like the biggest highlight for us my grandmother would get us tickets every year and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits we would put our boots on have our chaps our vest and we would go up there and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull we were willing to do it yeah for sure guys boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar And doing a little boot scoot Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game Tacovas can make you look better than ever Absolutely And here's the deal too That's the thing The versatility of Tacovas Is you can wear them somewhere nice Or you can live life where you don't go gently That's what Tacovis does for you Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot It's my favorite boot brand And it should be yours too But for one day, they were made to feel a little bit like a big deal on the Mississippi State campus, and that means a lot to me. It really does. There were some guys there that uh, have offers. Linebacker Tobias Hinton out of Hattiesburg High School. Now, the first thing that I will tell you, he is not as tall as I expected. I don't know what he lists, but he is a good-looking prospect, but perhaps not exactly what I anticipated. I watched him some in drills, had a chance to get a couple pictures of him, and um he is a division one player is he an sec guy i don't know yet he is leaning mississippi state's way and we're going to have a linebacker heavy and linebacker and db heavy class this year but um you know i think he's a good prospect i I do can he play here yeah he can i I think so but uh he's a guy that's already kind of embraced the weight room but uh, he's got to get a little bit bigger you got to get a little bit bigger and stronger like you know, a lot of times I, I compare these linebackers. I think about the guys that have been great linebackers at Mississippi State. I think about Bernardrick McKinney or K.J. Wright or uh, Errol Thompson, Willie Gay. We had not had a Willie Gay type in a while. I mean, that's been, you know, even Willie just left. But, you know, Mississippi, I don't think, has really produced that quality of linebacker in a little while. And so we need that to happen, uh, surely from an athletic standpoint. You've got to be able to have a guy like that every once in a while. I think there are some guys in this state that can play. Uh, I think maybe Hinton is one of those guys. But you know, when I compare him to Willie Gay, at that time in his development, you know Willie Gay was a little bit bigger and stronger, had a little bit better length. And so I think this Hinton is probably a guy that um, could be in the class. I don't know that he's a guy that you push to get in the class right now. But this guy's, without a doubt, a Division One uh, football player. There's no question about it. He's got a ton of offers. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I, I like his film maybe more than I do like some other guys. I just wish he'd have been – it's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit bigger and maybe a little bit uh, taller. Um, but the reality of it is I absolutely would not pass on him. I think this is a guy that can absolutely play at Mississippi State. And even if he's like your second or third linebacker in your class, I think you feel great about that, that he can really play. Now, Kadarius Wade out of Callaway is another guy that's got an offer from Mississippi State. Now, he was first listed as a wide receiver, and he kind of has that build. He is a little more thinly framed. You know, KJ Wright was thinly framed too, playing defensive end up at Olive Branch, ended up playing, you know, National Football League for a long time too. And so, you know, Wade, I think, has you know, the opportunity to kind of expand the frame a little bit and put some mass on, but he is very wiry right now. Very wiry. Uh, if you see the picture that I took and put on his 247 profile, you kind of see what I'm talking about. You know, he, he is a guy right now that is not SEC game ready. And he doesn't have to be. He's got another year of high school left to go. But he is a guy that I think will probably need a year or two uh, in the weight room. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Tim Washington. Remember Tim? And Tim's working on our strength and conditioning staff now. Uh, only graduated here a couple years ago. But Tim was a guy that was very, very thin, and then you kind of worked his way in, had a really good senior season for Mississippi State, really did. Uh, but probably would have had a better career had he been able to kind of put some mass on early on. And so that's the kind of thing that I I kind of caution myself about in the own, my own evaluation. Is like, how many times in the past have I seen this guy and it takes him three years? It takes him three years to kind of become a factor. And, and listen, Tim's a guy that could have left, could have transferred, could have said, hey, I want to go somewhere else, but he didn't. And I remember sitting in Tony Wolfox's office at Yazoo City High School. And he said Tim Washington was the best player to come through Yazoo City since Fletcher Cox. Don't know if it's true or not, but that was his estimation, and he coached both of them. And Tim Washington, maybe a marginal SEC guy. I think he proved as a senior year that he belonged here. But we, what we want to do is kind of speed up the developmental curve. We don't want to have to have a guy that is, you know, maybe a career special teams guy, and then finally as a senior – He's able to contribute on the two deep, right? Um, I see Wade in kind of the same mold as him from a physicality standpoint. Uh, I don't know that he's not better served maybe playing defensive back. Don't know what the foot speed timing looked like. Don't No clue. There were so many kids out there, there was no way to keep up. But uh, that's a guy that I think, uh, again, a Division One ball player all the way. I don't like him quite as much as I like Tobias Hinton. I think Tobias Hinton is a is a better prospect. And I think Tobias Hinton is a guy too that, uh, you know, you look at him frame wise and say this guy is going to be able to carry some mass without hurting his foot speed or his dexterity. I do think Kadarius Wade is a guy that uh, you will hear some something from. I don't expect him to be in our class unless some things change. Uh, but we'll kind of see how things uh, progress. Offensive line prospect, Joe Cocker. Crocker, excuse me, Joe Crocker. I'm thinking about Joe Cocker. She wrote me the letter. Joe Crocker took an official visit to Mississippi State last week, was back this week with his mom and um, younger brother, who was a camper today at Mississippi State. Uh, Now, Joe is a guy basically we heard early on that Joe was going to make his decision this summer. So he wanted to take his official visits in June. Now, that's not the Mississippi State philosophy. You know, and when we have tried doing those official visits in June, it really hadn't worked out. I think Braden Locke is like the only one that took the summer official visit and then ultimately signed with Mississippi State. But Joe is one of these guys that, hey, I want to get my visits out of the way. I want to get my decision out of the way so i can focus on my senior year and have a good time with my friends i don't want the recruiting aspect of life to be a distraction i want to be able to enjoy my senior year and he is one of those guys that i actually believe it you know a lot of guys that say that and then they get kind of caught up in the hype and everything i just don't think joe has that kind of personality now joe has already officially visited wisconsin he has officially visited mississippi state he is from the uh Tennessee area the greater Nashville area huge Tennessee Titans fan and then he set to visit Michigan State next and then that's it he had talked about visiting Texas A&M he talked about visiting a handful of other schools and he goes you know what I'm not going to take those visits in the fall now I'm, I'm going to make my commitment I'm going to shut things down and so the thing you look at is like okay Joe could have easily sat home today He didn't have to come back down here. He was just here last weekend. Uh, But he came up and uh, actually spent some time with your offensive lineman. You know, some of the guys that were hosting him around last weekend and showing him a good time, telling him about what it means to be a Bulldog. He wanted to come back and hang out with those guys too. It wasn't just about his brother. You know, Lucas Taggart and those guys, they're his buddies now. And so – I'm beginning to feel a little more optimistic about this one. You kind of came in out of nowhere, and you know, said, so we we're going to bring him in on the official visit. And, and again, our, our batting average is not very good, you know, when it comes to those June official visits. I'm not a big proponent of them either. I'm sure the Big Ten is. I'm sure Wisconsin and Michigan State, it's like, hey, we better get that kid here in June because if he comes in December when there's uh, 27,000 feet of snow, we got no chance to get him. So you bring him in in the summer, and everybody's like, hey, this is cool. It's not so bad. They don't tell you about the uh, Russian winter that you have to live in the Big Ten up there. But uh, Joe is a guy that's got some options. Joe is an offensive line prospect that uh, has some pro potential. This is a guy, too, kind of a building block you look at and you begin to think. Well, this would make perfect sense for Mississippi State to take this guy. So he'll go to Michigan State. Uh, He has shared that there is a little bit of concern about – the number of offensive linemen Michigan State takes, and a lot many of those are returning next year. And I'll be honest with you, Joe looks like those big Paul Bunyan type Big Ten linemen. Like, you know, kind of like what Brett Belima had in Wisconsin. I mean, that's what he looks like. You know, those corn fed guys, right? Well, that's kind of what we're running now, too. Right? At Mississippi State, we, we want those big, rangy, long-limbed offensive line prospects. And so Joe kind of fits here, too. And I think part of the issue, too, is the fact that uh, it is a little bit closer to home. You know, not, not that Joe just, you know, feels this undying desire to stay close to home, but I think there's a part of him, too, a chance to play in a Southeastern Conference and a chance to be reasonably close to home, uh, weather that he's used to, right? uh sometimes this time of year i always think to myself you know i don't think people fully appreciate it we've kind of grown up with this and even though this feels like like late summer weather and early summer we're kind of accustomed to it but people come in for the first time and they're like oh my gosh it's just sweltering here well you know joe's like it's the same like this in nashville same thing i would submit to you it's probably a little warmer here with the humidity anyway but the reality of it is, is he's a guy from the south and so I think that's interesting. And I think that we have a chance to put together a really good offensive line. I think Mason Miller has done a good job here uh, the last couple of classes. And I think when you begin to think about what we could potentially stack together in this class, that gives you three really good offensive line classes in a row. Three in a row. Now, some of those guys, too, maybe not rate quite as high as others. Like Gabe Cavazos, I had a chance to see him at Lake Home High School. Gabe Cavazos can play. Now, we get him down here, and we figure out, okay, that he's a guard. He's not a tackle. And you know what? That's okay. Now, all of a sudden, Gabe is beginning to thrive. I've seen Gabe recently. had a chance to talk to him. Gabe's happy here. You know, and you remember in the beginning, he was an early high school grad, and he got here and left and went home, took his classes online, didn't know if he's going to come back. But he did. He's grown. He's matured. And so when I begin to think about, you know, our evaluation, maybe as an industry, compared to what Mason Miller and Mike Leach and the staff comes up with, are not always going to align. There are going to be some guys they like because they fit their system. They may not be guys that fit everybody else's system. So as a result, they may not rate as high. Not, they may not be high in the rankings. And you know what? That's completely okay. Rankings matter, but it's not the be-all, end-all. And so when I begin to think about you got Malik Ellis already, who is a guy that uh, idolizes Charles Cross, big-time player. It's amazing to me uh, how athletic he is, but he has got to add some mass. He is a guy that is going to have to really get serious when he gets in the, in the weight room, but also, to working in conjunction with the diet and nutrition staff to make sure that he is adding mass the way that he should. Then you begin to think about Zay Alexander, who was here at Top Dog Camp. Zay says, you know what, I'm probably going to stay in state. Probably going to stay closer to home. Ole Miss has been involved with him. We're involved with him. He is uh, one of his best friends, Jacarius Clayton's here at Mississippi State. You may recall Jacarius was committed to state, flipped Ole Miss, flipped back to state. I believe that's the first time in my career that I remember it, it working like that. And it's weird, like last year, you know, like DeCarlos Nicholson also decommitted from us to Kentucky and then flipped back. You know what does that say about your coaching staff? You know there are a lot of coaching staffs in the past that have gotten their feelings hurt and said, "Oh, I can't believe they would embarrass us like that," and just move on from them. Well, they're the same player that they're the same player you loved and all for the first time. Maybe you got your feelings hurt. Let's get maybe let's uh, put our boots on and roll our sleeves up and get out here and t- start you know hitting back a little bit, right? And so you had some of that last year. But when I think about you, get Malik Ellis, you get Zay. Zay Alexander from Tupelo High School, and let's say you get Joe Crocker, and let's say you get Anthony Miles out of Alabama, all of a sudden I'm starting to think, you know what, hey, we don't we don't have to worry about this offensive line piece for a while. I think we'll take at least four, maybe five. You know, we went into portal season thinking maybe we'd get another one. I am glad we didn't go sign a guy just to sign a guy. We didn't need to go sign a warm body. I'm not going to mention any names, but in the past, sometimes it's like, "Oh, we got to get alignment," and so we go hire some practice dummy. We go, you know, sign some guy. It's, it's the, all they're going to do is help us facilitate practice. It's just a waste of a scholarship. I'm not going to mention any names, but there have been times we, we've reached. I'm glad we didn't reach because you know we're going to need that scholarship eventually anyway. So rather than give it to a guy that's never going to contribute just so we can facilitate practice, let's just hold it. And that's what we've done. We offered a couple guys. They didn't want to come. And so rather than just say, well, we got to go get a body, you know. And it reminds me, too, of a guy that I worked with a long time ago, and, and he said, you know what, I'd rather have a hole than a butthole. And a butthole can come in a number of forms, right? You have guys that give you trouble, but guys that also, too, can't get right. You know, you don't want to go sign some guy that's just going to be an irritant to you. You want to sign guys that are going to contribute. Football's hard enough without going and signing a guy that can't play here. So I begin to think about this offensive line class. I think Joe could be a really big part of things. I think Anthony Miles could be a really big part of things. And you get to say Alexander. All of a sudden, I'm starting to think, you know what? We are recruiting offensive linemen on a consistent basis, perhaps better than we ever have. You know, when J.B. Grimes was here, J.B. was so great at finding these diamonds in the rough that kind of fit what Sylvester Croom wanted, right? So when Dan Mullen and John Hevesy got here, you already had Addison Lawrence. You already had J.C. Brignoni, You had Tobias Smith. You had Quentin Salisbury. You had Derek Sherrod. This state will produce offensive linemen. You just got to be willing to dig for them and then sometimes be a little bit patient with their development. And so when I start thinking about what we've done, we have gone out and found the developmental offensive linemen, but we've also expanded our recruiting footprint. And because of the scheme that we've run, you know, guys like Cannon Boone, uh, those guys, uh, you know, Jackson, others, out-of-state guys are like, hey, I want to go play in that scheme. That's a fun thing to play in. And so, again, tomorrow 7-on-7 day. We'll probably see some dudes tomorrow. I don't know if anybody picks up an offer. Uh, but we'll probably see some guys that you guys are more familiar with, and we'll talk about that on Monday. I'm not going to hang out there all day because i want to watch college baseball. But uh, I'm going to go out there and take a look and uh, talk to some players and get some pictures and things like that so we can load up those 247sports.com uh, profiles for everybody. But uh, just wanted to kind of give you guys, again, I, I don't want to be in any way disrespectful to the 500-some-odd kids that came today. But there just weren't a lot of bona fide surefire SEC guys there today. There may be some guys that kind of turn into that. Um, and there's some out-of-state guys perhaps that we're not as familiar with. But uh, just you know, today in many respects was just kind of a bigger camp and a chance for us to get a lot of people here to kind of have the Mississippi State experience. And, and I suspect tomorrow is kind of like that too. We'll have a handful of guys, but you're not going to have private workouts and things like that. It's a 7-on-7 tournament. And I understand there's going to be 32 teams there. It's a big tournament. We went from having 24 to 32. So that's a really, really big tournament. So we'll see how things go and progress, and we'll talk about that on Monday's show. But I just, again, wanted to give you an update on some of the names perhaps that you know and also to kind of give some insight into how important these camps can be to kind of further the Mississippi State branding. It is now time for the top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C L O S E with Blair.com. I tell you what, before we do that, let's do our Prime Shrimp uh, Player of the Day. Uh, we don't have a game going on, but I will give our award today to Joe Crocker, offensive line prospect. And I, at this point, I'm beginning to feel like he is going to be a Bulldog. So at some point, I think Joe is going to be a guy that. Um, They could be instrumental in Mississippi State winning some ball games. So, just like Joe being dependable, so are our friends at Primeshrimp.com. Visit them at Primeshrimp.com. Use promo code Boneyard to save 20 bucks off your order. You'll be glad you did. The great, great delicacy of shrimp. Everybody thinks, man, it'd be great to have some shrimp. I want to get it out. I want to go eat out, but sometimes it's so expensive. And nowadays, the prices on everything are rising. PrimeShrimp.com, that's not the case. Visit them. Check them out. You'd be glad you did. New Orleans-based shrimping company, been in business since uh, the 1940s. These guys know everything there is to know about the shrimping business. You've heard that line before. The truth of the matter is it applies to them. Four great flavors to choose from. I'm very partial to that French Quarter Alfredo. I like seafood fettuccine. I like shrimp fettuccine. I like it all the way around so you can uh, bowl up you know, a pot of uh, fettuccine noodles and then also to top it with some of this prime shrimp alfredo, and the sauce comes with it. You get the simply seasoned. You can get the Louisiana shrimp bowl. There's four great flavors. None of them will uh, have you thinking lesser than. You'll feel like you've gotten more than your money's worth. And there's a money-back guarantee, too. If you like it, you keep it, you feel great about life, you order some more. If you don't, you can let them know, they'll give your money back. How many places give you a money back guarantee on food? PrimeShrimp.com, promo code, Boneyard. All right, let's get a top 10 list, close to Blair.com. Uh, Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. I've shared with you guys before, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or look in the market to get a mortgage, second mortgage, HELOC, anything to do with mortgage lending, Blair can handle for you. And maybe perhaps that you're a non-conforming borrower. Maybe you're atypical. Maybe you're a person that uh, because of your financial situation, maybe you're not, maybe the most advantageous borrower. Maybe you're not very attractive in that respect. Blair can help you with that. Blair is a guy that's seen it all and done it all. He shared a graphic with me recently, Uh, had a very motivated buyer and they went from basically open to close in less than 10 days. Now that's not always going to work out because it's a very long and laborious process at times. But you need to go with a guy that is motivated to get things done to get you in your new home sooner rather than later. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601 500 Two three four four. Blair works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it came to mortgage lending. And again, I like people to get things done. That's Blair. Blair gets things done. A good guy, a good Bulldog. Mention to him you heard about us on the heard about him on the boneyard. He's gonna pay for your appraisal. Some added value in doing business within the Bulldog family. Close with Blair All right, top ten. We're gonna do top ten rock instrumentals today now this i know somebody is going to message me and have a great song that i miss matter of fact roy's already said hey what about this what about that you didn't have green onions and i didn't we've had green onions on the show before we didn't do yyz from rush either though we do have a rush song on the list so let's get to it Number 10, one of my favorite instrumentals of all time, and a little bit obscure. Maybe you're unfamiliar with this. Perhaps you are. I suspect many of you will be. I absolutely love this song. I've shared it with many, many people over the years. It is a 80s guitarist by the name of Tony McAlpine. And the song is Tears of Sahara. We've had it on the show before. I absolutely love it. It's uh, it's very melodic. It's also got a little speed to it as well. But it is a uh, it is a guitar song at its core. And many of these are many of these instrumentals are basically a chance for people to kind of show off their chops a little bit. Perhaps no greater example. And perhaps I may have should have put this higher on the list is the number nine song from the band Extreme. It was originally on the first release of the Extreme 2 Porno Graffiti album. I don't know if it's on iTunes as the studio version. The live version is out there, but it's Extreme's Flight of the Wounded Bumblebee. Nuno Bencourt absolutely just shreds on this one. It's one of those things, too. It's like you I have a guitar, and I play it poorly. Nuno Bencourt makes it all seem so easy, and it's like it's not even the same instrument. It's like it's just ridiculous how good he is. Number eight, we did get a Rush song on here, and it's uh, La Vila Strangata, and I may be mispronouncing that. Very dark and type ominous song. It's very lengthy. It's a progressive rock song. I think it, it totals out about 10 minutes. Wanted to get Rush on here. I didn't want to just go with YYZ. A lot of people go with that because it's a classic song, and it is. But Rush has a handful of instrumentals that maybe aren't as well known as YYZ. So there you go. Number seven, and I believe this is the Boneyard Top Ten debut for Yngwie Malmsteen. When I was a young buck in South Mississippi, and we were all into guitar rock, and we all wanted to play, we could play a few power chords here and there, and then all of a sudden, this album, and the first time that I heard uh, was Yngwie Malmsteen's Rising Force. He was doing things that nobody else was doing at the time. And uh, really had trouble sometimes with singers. He and Joe Lynn Turner had a couple albums together. I think that's probably probably the best duo as far as like singer-guitar player of the Ingve experience. But Ingve is remarkable, and uh, you can find some albums out there and some orchestral performances with Ingve on guitar that'll absolutely blow your mind. So we're gonna go with Far Beyond the Sun. Almost went with Blackstar here, but Far Beyond the Sun I think is probably maybe a little bit better they do perform black star live these days but uh, far beyond the sun it's just absolutely phenomenal all right classic rock here number six it's the almond brothers the almond brothers is another band the mountain jam is a cool track too didn't have it on here but uh, they have a handful of instrumentals in their catalog that are very very popular but we went with the most popular one of all and it's jessica the the dual guitars on it are just ridiculous I love the Allman Brothers. You guys love that list, and we did that one, so I wanted to bring that one back. Number five, another one making their debut. And I suspect probably the last time we'll ever talk about this particular artist, and this particular song on the show. And you have heard this song, and maybe you didn't know the name of it or who performed it, but it is The Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson, another phenomenal guitarist. Uh, it's another one of those songs, too. It's, like, it's almost like a modern-day composition. It's crazy. Number four... Probably the guy that brought it all back in many respects. You know, a lot of people did like instrumental like guitar stuff as intros to songs. But Joe Satriani was a guy that I guess couldn't find a singer. And so he let his guitar do the singing for him. And so we're going to go back to the ones that really introduced Joe Satriani into our lives. And that is the song Surfing with the Alien. How about that? Incredible. Incredible. And there's a lot of talk, too, that Joe is going to play guitar on perhaps a Van Halen tribute tour, like he would play the Eddie Van Halen part. They'd go out and do a tour. Uh, And so I don't know how I feel about that. I've read several articles about it. And Joe said, oh, it's not true. Michael Anthony said it was. Those two guys, of course, worked with uh, Sammy Hagar and Chicken Foot. If you're unfamiliar with that act, I'd encourage you to go check them out. Number three. And I really believe the top 3 I think these are kind of undisputed. Number 3 is Edgar Winter's Frankenstein. If you're unfamiliar with that song, you're going to absolutely love it. You probably have heard it, but there's just there's all this cacophony in this thing and it's like you begin to wonder, I mean, did anybody tune their instruments and stuff, but it all comes together so wonderfully. I absolutely love the track. Uh, the Winter Brothers were phenomenal too. Edgar Winter though Uh, with Frankenstein. That is just one of those songs that I think most people are are familiar with, but maybe aren't certain who performed it. All right, number two, Led Zeppelin. Now, we could have gone a few different directions here, but we went with Moby Dick. It's the iconic drum solo of of John Bonham, and what a phenomenal performance it was. And uh, they did it live for years and years and years, but Moby Dick from Led Zeppelin, number two on your list. But number one, and this may be one of the greatest guitar performances of all time. I mean, it really could be. And it's the Georgia Satellites. No, it's not the Georgia Satellites. It's Eddie Van Halen's Eruption. How about that? Van Halen's Eruption. And, you know, I was a kid, and all of a sudden we heard this, and, like, well, where are the lyrics? And it's like, they didn't need any. It's this incredible performance on the guitar it really kind of changed music in many respects i think a lot of people looked at eddie van halen and said you know how is he capable of doing all of this i mean he was really a virtuoso in many respects and uh so i'm really sad that he's he's gone and i still think about that it's like you know there's some talk out there there's some van halen stuff that's unfinished they plan to finish and release at some point i hope they do i hope we get some more uh Chris Cornell and Eddie Van Halen in our lives, and I understand too. There's still some extensive uh, stuff in the Prince catalog that wasn't released either, so maybe we'll get that music at some point. I don't know what the uh, you know, what the point in holding it is, but um, you know, there's a lot going on with Van Halen right now, so we'll kind of see how things go. and And uh, I do think we get some uh, music at some point, some things that m- maybe were unfinished, and I suspect we'll probably appreciate him a lot more knowing that this will be. Uh, the final stuff. And I will say, too, while we're discussing that sort of thing, uh, Queen is going to be releasing a Freddie Mercury single. It was a uh, a song that was kind of dug back in the archives. It was never finished. And so they have finished it through the magic of technology. They're going to release that, too, and it's believed to be the last known unreleased recording of Freddie Mercury. And I look forward to that. I'm a huge Freddie Mercury and Queen fan, and uh, I know many of you will as well. And so uh, we're not getting any younger, you know, like our rock heroes are dying off. And uh, really bummed too, I, you know, I was supposed to be on vacation. I had to cancel my trip to Atlanta. I was supposed to go to Atlanta for the opening night of the uh, stadium tour with Motley Crue and Def Leppard and Poison and Joan Jett, and uh, was unable to go and uh, notified my buddy Sam. I was like, Sam, I can't go. We're going to take a cruise. And then we ended up canceling the cruise, and then I couldn't go that either. And so I miss I miss the cruise and the crew. And so I'm bummed about both. But um, you know we'll get out and go see some things too. And I encourage you to whenever you can. And listen, I I listen. Outdoor venues aren't always for me. I'll be honest with you. I love going, but I'm so active at shows. You know it's like I, I don't want want to be disgusting when I'm done. And uh, but going out there sitting in the sun sometimes doesn't really appeal to me. But when you have a chance to go watch one of these classic rock acts, and it doesn't matter if they're country or R&B or whatever, if there is an artist that you love and they're touring in your area, I encourage you to go because it may be the last time we get to see them. And, of course, life is not guaranteed to any of us, but many of these rock stars are aging out. You know, David Coverdown, Whitesnake, uh, making their final tour, uh, and hope to, I hope to get a chance to go see those guys, too. But uh, the reality of it is I don't think it'll be like the KISS tour. You know, what I mean, the KISS tour lasts forever. You know, it's the final tour, and it's been the final tour for a decade now. But, um, you know, again, I encourage you to get out and go bring your kids. You know, go with your kids. Like I, I, I took Ani to see Snake. We saw 13 shows that year, and I asked him at the end of the year, what was your favorite show? He said, Whitesnake, because those guys are real rock stars. And, yes, they are. They don't look like they just finished up a double shift at Subway and came out there and walked on stage and picked up a guitar. Those guys are committed to their art. Much different dynamic. There's some people that just kind of play guitar for fun, to meet chicks and that sort of stuff. It doesn't work out that way. I I appreciate people that really uh, spend some time kind of honing their craft. And so I like those guys. I do. All right. Next segment of the show brought to you by campusbookmart.net. I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. If you're unfamiliar with Campus Bookmart, let me encourage you, next time you're in Starkville, go by and meet them. The lovely, talented Susie, the best buyer in the Mississippi State merchandising market, Miss Kathy Brown, and, of course, Miss Pam Menger, and many others, doing a great job for a great fan base at a great price. They'll treat you like family because, in their minds, you are family. Simple as that. Simple as that. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any orders less than 50 dollars, absolutely incomplete. And you know how it is with Amazon, right? It's like, and I, I sometimes I gotta shop Amazon too, but not for Mississippi State merch. I, I just will not do it. I'm gonna buy locally. But you know, sometimes you think, well hey, you bought this, but for seven more dollars, you don't have to pay shipping. Well, I'm, that's, that's me. I'm going to do it. And so it's nice to have a little promo code uh, through Campus Bookmart. You can kind of do the same. Because most of you guys need to kind of outfit your family for the upcoming football season anyway, because the kids have outgrown the kid that closed from last year. Maybe you have too. But, uh, again, campusbookmark.net. Look no further when you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise. All right, let's talk a little baseball portal stuff. That has really dominated the conversation over at jeanspage.com. We've had so many people kind of contribute, uh, you know, things that they have heard, things that they like, players they like, players they hope wear the maroon and white. And there's a ton of them. There are. Uh, So based on what I've heard, you know, I think we're going to basically – got three guys now that are committed to transfer to Mississippi State. I expect at least three more probably more than that I know some people are thinking we need to go out and sign you know 10-15 players that's not the case I don't believe that's the case at all I think it's important for people to kind of understand that um, we have a really good signing class coming in now you don't want to just depend on first-year players right you don't want to have guys that are just uh, finishing up prom and then having because not everybody's Hunter Hines or Jake Mangum but you're going to have some guys contribute on the pitching side. They're going to be on the young side. But we've got to find some veteran arms out there, and I think that's where things are kind of trending at this moment. Uh talked last night about some guys that I, I wanted to share with you guys here on, uh, on the show. I think it's important to understand that uh, your staff is working hard to find the right players. Now, Zach DeVito from Tulane – that name should be familiar to you because Zach DeVito was part of both of Tulane's wins over us this year. And maybe that weekend, you know, we hadn't really wanted to talk about it much because of all we lost that weekend. But um, we might have actually found somebody. Zach DeVito, ERA of just over four. That's a little bit high for a guy that we expect to work on the back end. But uh, 19 appearances this year with a 4-1 and one record, nine saves. Just 24.2 innings pitch. He is definitely a high-impact, high-effort guy. Allowed 19 hits, 11 runs, 13 walks to 40 strikeouts, just four extra base hits. I think that's a guy that, uh, with a four-pitch mix, can really get those last three to six outs for you. you. know, and We've got to find a closure. We've got to have somebody on the back end. If we'd had a closure this year, you'd probably win 10 more games. It's as simple as that. Zach is in the portal. I think he is a guy that uh, is a name to remember. I can't say yet that he's going to be a guy that you look at and say, well, definitely will be on the roster. But I think when you look at what's out there and you look at the available opportunities that are out there, I think Mississippi State's in a good position with him. Now, that's not the only pitcher. I want to run this down for you too there is a freshman all-american from stetson you know stetson has kind of been a very solid mid-major over the years and a team that has had some ncw tournament experience and so they traditionally do a good job of finding those guys that are kind of existing you know between the florida florida state and miami recruiting footprint out there dominic Stagliano is his name a freshman all-american from boyden beach florida had a great year for those guys and arguably the best pitcher on the hatter staff and how nice would it be to have him a guy that worked some as a spot starter worked some as a middle relief guy we've got to have some guys to eat up those innings if we'd have had this guy on our roster again you know how many games do you win ERA, a 5-0 record, 18 appearances, three starts, and a couple of saves, had one shutout as well. How about that? Uh, 53.1 innings pitched, and considering the number of appearances compared to the rest of that roster, he is a guy that pitched regularly for them uh, on the weekends as a reliever. Some pretty guarding numbers here. 55 strikeouts against just 12 walks. He did give up some extra base hits got barreled up a little bit you expect that for a freshman but uh 55 strikeouts in any league is really good now what will he do against sec hitting well that that really kind of remains to be seen we just really don't know yet you know, kind of how it works and uh you know he did pitch against florida this year had a bit of a rough outing there two and a third innings pitch six hits three runs uh three strikeouts and then four doubles he allowed 11 doubles the entire year four of them come uh in that game and then he pitched against Florida State. You can say, "Well, Steve, maybe he's not a, a power five guy." Florida State, th- three innings pitched, no hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts. What does that sound like? And that's in a six nothing shutout. He was the middle reliever there in a ball game, but they did a really good job. And so, so he has paced, faced, excuse me, uh, some power five teams this year. Started against Sacred Heart, Maine, and then Jacksonville. Uh, jacksonville his final appearance of the year was a start he worked seven innings five hits uh, two runs both of those earned no walks two k's uh, one double a triple and it's a five three win just an efficient 89 pitches and seven innings pitched and so this is the guy too that got better as the year went along Uh, allowed 19 earned runs this year six of those in his last three outings Uh, But in the three outings prior to that, he allowed just one earned run in five appearances. That's kind of getting it done for you right there. So uh, a guy, again, not a huge strikeout guy, a pitch-to-contact guy. I think you feel pretty good uh, if you're able to add him. And he is a guy, too, and I think you look at it and you begin to think, okay, you know, we've got to have some guys that have some pro potential come in here and eat up innings for us, even – even if that is in a middle relief role. We've, we've got to find that. You know, we absolutely do. Landon Garman's coming in. He could be a starter, could be a long reliever, could be pretty much whatever we want him to be. Another name that's kind of been mentioned, and uh, there's some social media traffic about him, is Joe Miller. Joe has actually played four years at Penn University. Uh, he is a guy originally from uh, Hadborough, Pennsylvania. Uh, went to Penn and had uh, 13 appearances this year, and w- was probably the workhorse on this staff, didn't always get a lot of run support, and control was a little bit of an issue. And, and you know, you've got to find some guys out there that can match up, uh, you know, with left-handers. And he is a left-hander, and there's just not a lot out there. So that's a possibility. I don't know that State is ready to kind of pull the trigger on this one. But this is a guy, too, again, that has done a good job. He's got four years of experience, and due to the COVID year, still has another year of eligibility to work. Uh, Second lowest ERA among the starters, 3.63 ERA, 6-4 record, 13 appearances, uh, 11 of those starts, 74 innings pitch, which was a staff high. Uh, Allowed 64 hits. He is very much a pitch-to-contact guy, but uh, does get some Ks to kind of go along with that. 91 strikeouts which led the team that's 91 to 36 right there at uh, three to one uh, opponents hit 234 against him they went the wild pitches are a little bit high at 10 wild pitches and of course he pitched more innings so you'd expect him to be a little bit higher than, than most but that's still a little bit of a concerning number and then three hit by pitches um, and that's something you know we've had games we've done that and three hit three in an inning but so there are some names out there that uh, that you should be familiar with and i fully expect fully expect to see state go really heavy on arms the 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 rest of the way now i couldn't close this segment without talking about paul Skeens. now if you're familiar with paul Skeens, he will likely be the favorite in many people's eyes for the golden spikes award next year i uh, have had some conversations with people about him He's a first-team All-American, and people are like, you know, you he can do it all for you. You know, he's a big six-six, strapping right-hander. Guy's got great velo, got a three-pitch mix, and I'm told that he actually has a four, a four. He can throw a traditional curveball, but it's really more of a fastball, slider, change-up type um, situation for him. But he can throw a breaking ball, can kind of change it up a little bit on you. Uh, a first-team All-American by Collegiate Baseball News, D1 Baseball, Baseball America, and then was on the Golden Spikes Award preseason watch list. He will be next year no matter where he lands. He took an official visit to Mississippi State this week. Got some more visits to take. I understand LSU is part of it. Tennessee is part of it. Uh, and so you know, we're out here competing for a guy that many people believe could be the top transfer in the class. Uh, he is a guy that can catch. He is a guy that can pitch. He is a guy that can DH. Uh, he is a guy too that um, you know chose to go to Air Force Academy and you say well Steve how do you transfer out of there well if you do it between uh, by your second year you don't have to have um, you know you don't have to go serve in the Air Force so he's getting out of there and he will be a first rounder in the 2023 draft I don't think there's any question about that. So, he could be the Friday night guy for state. He could also be a guy that DHs some for state. Could be a guy that catches part time for state. You know, we'll see how things go. Uh, but that's a big time guy there. And many of you have asked about, oh, Steve, we got to go get uh, Tommy White from NC State. Go, you can go ahead and forget that. You just can. There's a lot of discussion. He's going to stay in the state of Florida. He is a native of Florida. And I understand he grew up a Florida State fan. So this could be a scenario, too, where you know, it's like, hey, I didn't get the offer I wanted at of high school, but I've had this you know, freshman All-American uh, year at NC State. Now I have that opportunity. Well, then you know, Florida State's made a coaching change, and they have not announced a new coach, and I understand that is part of the delay of him uh, making a decision. Now, could be Link Jarrett, right? There are a lot of people that believe Link Jarrett is going to be the next coach at Florida State. I tend to agree. he played there his dad played there uh it's coming home for him and so i think link jarrett who is the currently the head coach at notre dame who has done a remarkable job notre dame is a big name school in football but they just really haven't established a lot of tradition in baseball and all of a sudden link jarrett has ushered in you know kind of these glory days in south bend i just don't think they're going to be committed enough to keep him and i think florida state offers him the chance to go back home and revitalize a program that really college baseball needs to be good. And a lot of people thought, you know, when number 11 left and Mike Martin left, that we would see that program take a little bit of a step back. Well, they promote junior. Three years later, they're hiring another coach. And I firmly believe that Florida State would not have made this move without knowing they had somebody lined up. And I believe it's probably Ling Jarrett. I think Notre Dame is going to have a terrible time keeping him I think that they will probably make an effort to try to keep him but I think too you know Link Jarrett has made Notre Dame you know a a better baseball program than he found it so they'll be able to go out and get somebody and maybe kind of maintain a level of continuity there but uh, Link Jarrett goes to Florida State I think Tommy White goes and I think again that kind of galvanizes the fan base I have heard that Florida and Tennessee both are working overtime to get him, but it's almost like, okay, if I grew up a Florida State fan, why would I go to Florida if I had a chance to go to Florida State? Now, one of the things I want to talk about, too, with this NIL stuff, there's a lot of NIL discussion out there as it relates to college baseball. You you hear about it for football, and one of the things that I have heard you talking to administrators is that there is a lot of apathy when it comes to NIL, too, for current student-athletes. Now, some of that is because they just don't have it in their schedule. It's like, okay, well, I've got to get up here and go to study hall. I got to do my morning workout. I got team meetings. I got classes. Oh, you need me to drive down to Jackson to sign autographs for two hours? Okay, well, that's an hour and a half down there, two hours at the event, an hour and a half back, and I'm getting, what, 500 bucks? You know, so it hardly seems worth it, right? Right when you begin to think about the time that you're allotted, and you say, when I was a college kid, Steve, I would have done that easily. Well, you know, time's a little, a little different now, not to mention between the stipend uh, and the ousted money, it's, uh, it's a much different scenario. So you can't always get guys to go do stuff. But uh, baseball, I think, is a little different because, number one, the money is probably not what you would anticipate. But a lot of these guys, too, just need the money To kind of facilitate the college experience, they're not full scholarship players in baseball, so all of a sudden, the NIL stuff is a little more valuable to them, and so they're more likely to go do stuff. You know, when I remember I had a book signing at the at the mill earlier this year, and you know, Will Rogers and Landon Sims were there, and uh, you know, some other guys. Well, it makes perfect sense because right here in Starkville, and it's not a big commitment of your time. But when you look at it from a baseball standpoint, just about every baseball player graduates with bills. And they leave here with student loans they have to pay. And so it makes good sense to utilize NIL to help offset some of that expense for these young people. And so that is part of a lot of these recruiting discussions. And I think it's important that people kind of understand that and say, well, why would a guy not come to Mississippi State. Well, number one, he may like the other guys better. Sometimes it is as simple as that. Uh, the rest of that story is there may be a situation where, you know, hey, maybe we're giving, you know, 10000 $15,000 in NIL incentives and somebody else is doubling that. And you can say, well, Steve, why can't we? Well, get a part, be a part of it. Go join the Bulldog Collective, right? Give them more resources to work with. That's the reality of life right now. And, it, and it, I don't think it's sustainable uh, because I think in the end, you're going to have some real issues. And it's like I think about, you know, I, I've heard, and I won't mention the name of the player, but um, not, and it's not somebody at Mississippi State. But I've heard about one particular transfer portal, and some of you guys, transfer portal player. And some of you guys can kind of fill in the gaps here. But I understand that there was one particular portal player that uh, – basically chose the school because he got over $200,000 to make the transfer. And so then you begin to ask yourself, okay, what if this guy gets hurt? What if he shows up on campus in fall baseball and he tears a rotator cuff, God forbid? What if he pulls a hamstring? What if he's not as productive? What if he can't play? What if he breaks a bone in his hand? Well, he's still entitled to that money because the nil can't be predicated on athletic performance it can't be a pay-for-play deal so you can't get there and say oh well he's on the shelf so we're not going to pay him and so what happens if you go spend all this money you go go to call up your you know your big donors you know up in chicago or whatever and you're like hey we need x amount of dollars to sign this player and then you get him and then he never contributes how are you going to make that phone call the next time because that person is going to be like, you know what, I gave you guys $200,000 and I bankrolled this kid that never played. And so there's a lot to think about. And I think because of those type of situations, and it is simply a matter of time before something like that happens, You're, it's not sustainable. The rest of that story is that, um, you know, what if you have that guy out there that um, you, like let's say on football, you know, because baseball is really becoming a one and two year sport. Let's say on the football side of things, you go out there and you chase a player and you make this big investment. Let's say you give $25,000 to help put together an NIL deal through your business to ensure that a certain player goes to your favorite school. Well, what do you do when he transfers? What if he gets there and he red shirts as a freshman and he figures out, hey, this isn't for me and I'm going to transfer? you going to ask for your money back? And so there are going to be some people that make investments that don't get the return on that investment. There are going to be people that get involved in this. They're going to see players basically take the money and run. And I've been told that there have been some players in the football transfer portal that have basically taken some money from other schools and then elected to stay where they were. Now, how does that happen? you know, what do you do now it's like oh we're going to give you this money if you come to our school and then you know it's like the way that I understand the NIL is it basically there has to be benefit for both parties and so if you if somebody gives you money and they get nothing in return then at that point could be considered an impermissible benefit right which impacts your eligibility and i would assume that the party involved if they, because they did things the correct way they may feel like hey well, NCAA, we did this with the best of intentions, and then we paid him some money up front you know, as a bonus, and I don't know how that, that's orchestrated. I don't know how it's all you know constructed. I don't know what the NCAA's uh, feelings are about that. I suspect you'd have to facilitate uh, your end of the deal first and then be paid for your services later. But what if that's not the case? What if there are some... People out there that have paid money up front, and then now all of a sudden the player has gone. So there's still a lot to figure out. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. You know, just when we think we've got NIL figured out, and the way the spirit of the rule worked, and it's amazing how people have kind of taken it and twisted it for their own benefit. The way this is supposed to work is like, hey, these guys haven't been able to make any money, and most of them can't get a job. Uh, yeah they get a stipend but um, you know we're selling their jersey they benefit nothing from that let's give them the opportunity and so that's what kind of you know started all this and you know I, I go all the way back to you know the, the, uh, the lawsuit um, about EA Sports and all that kind of stuff you know it's like hey they're selling these great video games and then this kid's likeness is on here and everybody would love to be on there but they're making you know millions of dollars you got to share the wealth and so that was one of those things, too, that it was kind of groundbreaking. And so we thought, hey, well, we're just going to enable people to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. Little did we know that people were going to bend this into what it's become. Now, a lot of people, a lot smarter than you and I said when all of this immediate transfer stuff and the NIL stuff began to kind of, kind of bubble up together, so they're going to be tied together. People are going to be using name, image, and likeness compensation to get people to transfer to their schools. It's going to be part of the recruiting pitch. And people are like, oh, no, no, it's not. It's, it's the wild, wild west right now. It is. I mean, how, how do you how do you enforce it? And it's so rampant right now. How in the world could you keep up? You can't. And there's all this discussion, too, about, you know, some of the guys that have been tampered with and, you know, how, how do you how do you penalize people for that? There's supposed to be a reduction of scholarships. and It could be all this stuff that goes along with that. But again, how do you police it? How do you prove it? It's crazy. You say, well, there's going to be a paper trail. You know, how many people out there are going to take the time and effort to go look at all that? You know, you hear about these contracts, too. I mean, I guess it was uh, the Athletic that dug up. They got actual documents where You had high school players. They were signing six and seven figure NIL deals over the course of their career. It's Like, Hey, if you come here and you are the face of our business and you come in, you know, come to parties or whatever, and you take pictures and sign autographs, we're going to pay a million dollars. And I began to ask myself, what type of value could a business get from a, college athlete that's not a superstar I mean if Dak Prescott is the face of your business when he's here at Mississippi State or Jake Mangum you know even Tanner Allen and TA wasn't a superstar his first year but you know you go get these guys and all of a sudden you know can you really generate enough revenue to offset the expenditure of a million dollars I don't think you can I mean so it's basically legalized cheating in many respects I mean I mean i didn't uh, i didn't graduate with a degree in economics but I know enough to know that uh, you know it's not a sustainable model if businesses don't make money on the investment this is not how business works so I think it's important to understand we are going to see some changes but right now you're seeing Nil really be a big part of the transfer process when it comes to college baseball and I don't know that anybody expected that to happen this fast maybe they did maybe they didn't but I think the reality of it is, is you know, basically in any sport now, with the portal and the the one-time transfer exception rule being on the books, and then legalized NIL contracts, you can see how people have gotten creative. All right, time to uh, finish up strong here. I'm gonna go watch some college baseball, and I'm tired. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I am tired. I'm not sleepy. I'm tired. You've been there. You know how it works. Sometimes you're ready to you just go lay down. Just want to watch TV. I don't want to have to think or talk or answer the phone. All right. So let me give you Brooks Bryan's phone number. Brooks' phone number is 601-416-8075. Brooks, a friend of mine. Brooks, a friend of yours. You know, Brooks, part of a great group of folks that are bringing this wonderful residential development portico to Starkville, making it a better place to live. Now, phase one is completely sold out. we got, we got 10 houses in phase two. A couple of those are already sold. And so you can have some say too, because, you know, phase two is going to be rolled out kind of in two phases, right? And so you got the, the 10 house build now, but you've got some other lots that are allocated for future homes. So you can pick out your lot, you can pick out your house plans and so do some custom builds for you. And have you live in 1.1 miles away from Duty Noble Field and a little bit farther from Davis Wade Stadium. It is 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. It's what you've always wanted, right? To have a place in Starkville. We'll look no further than Portico. Give Brooks a text or call today. If he misses you, he'll get right back to you. He's a busy guy too. Uh, This is kind of part of a little side enterprise for him and several other Mississippi State people that love Starkville and want to give you a quality place to live. And it may be a situation where maybe it's not your primary residence. We hope that it is. I'd love for you to be our neighbor. But what if it's just like an investment property for you or a future retirement home? Maybe you're going to buy it now. Hey, this is our ballgame weekend retreat. But once we retire, we're going to move up there full time. Go ahead and get it knocked out now. And, and the thing that I love about it, too, is just the convenience. If I had to do it over, I, you know, hey, the timing didn't work out for me. But if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico because I would want to be that close to campus. I'd want to be that close to 82 uh, and have con- the convenience of kind of getting out of town without having to fight all the traffic on 12 or go through some, uh, you know, some surface street in the middle of town to get to 12. I mean, there's some people live in Starkville. It takes some 20 and 30 minutes to get out of town. I-, I just can't live that way. I want to have quick access to those highways. So maybe you do too make Portico your next move. All right, I want to talk about a couple things too. Being around your football coaches, being around your football players, there is a lot of enthusiasm about Mississippi State football within the program. I am excited about it season two. I don't know that maybe the casual fan of Mississippi State is very optimistic about the season. But being around the coaches and players these last couple of weeks at camps, my enthusiasm level has hit a new level. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I feel like I did in, you know, in 14, you know, when we are coming off, you know, that crazy 13 season where, you know, Dak had the great game in the in Liberty Bowl. And we're thinking, you know what, we got our guy. Here we go. I don't feel that way. But I do feel very confident that we're going to have a good year. You know, we had a chance to, to, to win a handful of top 25 games last year. What, what We went three, could have won a couple more. You know, maybe we'd beat Arkansas. If we had a kicker. We'd probably beat Arkansas. Maybe we'd beat LSU. And so I, I I just say that you know yeah the the negative folks say Steve we almost lost to A&M we almost lost Louisiana Tech we almost lost to Auburn and all that's true. And you're going to have some up and down with the younger roster. But now all of a sudden our guys are juniors, our core guys on offense. I mean, and let's 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 be honest with ourselves. Two years ago, our leading receiver, Jaden Wiley, freshman, our quarterback. Will Rogers, freshman. Kyle and Hill ops out. Then all of a sudden we have two freshman running backs carrying the mail. And so you got five freshmen that are playing a central role on your offense. That just shouldn't be. You shouldn't have guys like that out there just kind of running up and down the field making a contribution. I mean, it's Jaden Wally streaking down the sideline against the University of Georgia out running their four- and five-star DBs. It's a three-star converted quarterback from D'Iraville, Mississippi, who has cut his dreads, by the way. I'm not real happy about it, to be honest with you, but it's what he wanted. So good for you, Jaden. But, um, you know, now all of a sudden we've got two years, and talking to some of the coaches, like, hey, we expected to have a good spring because we're a veteran team. We actually had a better spring than we anticipated. The guys, there was a lot of retention. We didn't have to spend the spring reteaching. We said to kind of get our younger guys up to speed, and then all of a sudden you've got guys who've been an assistant for two years, so they make the coaching job easier because they're out there kind of assisting in the direction and the dissimilation of that information. It's important for people to understand that. These are guys now that aren't thinking. We had a ton of thinking two years ago. And last year we didn't have as much. This year it's a lot more automatic. There's a lot more pitch and catch. And again, I think Will Rogers has hit a different level. Will had a great spring. Thought he had a good spring last year. But I had a good fall. They had a great spring, though. And I was only out there a handful of times. And so, you know, Paul Jones was there at every practice. And Paul's comments kind of mirror mine. It's like, we'll talk. And I was like, yeah, I saw this. And then I'll talk to some of the staff. And, you know, coaches by nature may be a little bit optimistic publicly because they're trying to help you buy tickets, right? They're trying to encourage you to come buy tickets and be a season ticket holder. But what they say privately sometimes is a a horse of a different color. There have been times I've talked to some of our coaches, man, we're going to be lucky to get to the ball game this year. We just don't have depth at this position. Quarterback play hasn't been very good. This year there is just a little – I think it's because we've settled in a little bit and we kind of know who we are. We don't have as many pieces to fill. Uh, Talking to your wide receivers, they say the secondary is legit. They love the transfers. They love the newcomers. They think this is a defense going to be very, very good. And then, you know, we all see Trevion Williams, who looks like the next Jeff Simmons. He's not as tall as Jeff, but uh, this is a guy that's going to be able to play. This guy's going to be a difference maker. But how much? How much will he play this year? And, and so I, I share that with you because you know maybe there's perhaps some things that we don't know. You know, it's like when I when I hear these guys say, "Hey, these guys are legit." Now. It's one thing when they do it at a microphone, you know, behind the podium. It's another thing, especially when guys that I have covered since they were, you know, 15, 16 years of age, I say, hey, just shoot it to me straight. How's this guy look? Oh, this guy's really good. This guy's really good. And there are times they'll tell you, he's like, I don't know if he's going to be able to help us. Now, you don't go report that. You just kind of have it for your own knowledge. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, the talk around the SEAL complex and the talk around the Bulldog practice fields is positive. Now you'd expect, you know, all hope spring eternal this time of year, but the reality of it is is I'm just not finding a lot of people that are willing to say, you know what, hey, it's going to be a challenging year. You know, for, forget the schedule. You know, that that's that's part of the thing too that everybody's kind of leaning on. Well, how are we going to be better next year when we trade Vanderbilt for Georgia? Well, you have to beat somebody else. Not to mention in fact too, it's like, you know, should we have won that game at Georgia? I suspect we should have right i mean we, we led the game throughout the game we just kind of ran out of gas and we couldn't make a play in the secondary if we'd have had an sec safety back there in that ball game we probably won it by two touchdowns i don't think your team is going to be intimidated by georgia do i expect to win the game no but i don't want them to feel that way and i don't think they do i think they're ready to get into fall camp and of course you know like i always say hey i'm i'm ready for football you know our coach is like well i'm ready to start practice you know we got to get better but I think we're going to be a better team than people realize. Now, again, I don't expect us to contend for Atlanta, but how many people expected us to go win at AM and last year mid-year? I mean, in the summertime, people were like, hey, this is a possibility. But the reality of it is, is we got a little bit closer to it. People were like, you know what? They're better than we are. And we beat them. You know, we thought we had a chance to beat Auburn early on, and then you, you kind of saw them fading a little bit. But we're the ones that put them in a tailspin. The same thing for LSU. Yeah, you know, we we played the best version of LSU all year. And the next thing you know, they're in a tailspin. And so, you know, again, we weren't a great team last year. Did we take a step forward? Yes, we did. Will we take a step forward this year? I absolutely believe we will. I think it's going to be a good year. And I think that Mike Leach... Kind of likes the fact that we're just kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Nobody's talking about Mississippi State. I mean, maybe everybody's like, "Well, you know, Will Rogers is going to throw for a ton of yards because of the air raid." And I don't think people fully appreciate how good this defense is going to be. I mean, you look at last year. I mean, you saw what it's like when you when you don't have Jaden Nelson. Excuse me, me. Jaden Crumity. <clears throat> you don't have Big Baby in the middle. You know, Nathan Pickering was kind of up and down a little bit last year, made some big plays for us. But now all of a sudden, you know, those guys didn't play in the spring. J.D., you know, a guy that – you know a lot of quarterback hurries, didn't get a lot of quarterbacks on the ground. But, you know, that's how Montez Sweat was when he first got here too. Led the – probably led the nation in quarterback hurries and then only had a handful of sacks. We figured out how to plot a a tighter course to the quarterback, became a first-rounder. I'm not saying J.D. is in that direction, but I, every time I go to a football function on the Mississippi State campus, Jordan Davis is there. He's there. And sometimes he's not even working the camp. He's there to talk to his friends. He's there to talk to the other players. Trevion Williams is always out there. See John Lewis out there. You know, these are guys that want to be around football. These are guys, too, to walk up and say, "Hey, hey, Steve, tell me about those two new commitments. I'm impressed they knew. I mean, it's like, why would they keep up with recruiting this time of year? It's summertime, right? You know, we're going through workouts, and then when we do get some time off, you know, we're hanging out with friends, you know, we're going to the pool and things like that. We're keeping up with recruiting? I mean, come on. That excites me. That tells me this guy is engaged in what's happening with this program. It's not just about what's happening now. This is guys that are invested in Mississippi State. So I share that with you. I think it's important to hear that. There's not this doom and gloom, nor would you expect there to be, around a SEAL complex. I think there are a lot of people that kind of feel like, you know what, hey, now we're ready to go. Does that mean we win 10 games? No, I'm not ready to go that far. But I do think that we're a team that's going to be be competitive in every game. Uh, The Alabama game always worries me because, you know, there's just a talent differential there. That's always kind of been the barometer for us too, you know, kind of making sure that, hey, we can't beat them. <laughs> we had them for a long time, but we always kind of say, "Hey, well, we kept it close." You know, defense played well. You know, should have had this, should have had that. But when I look at the rest of the schedule, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, I think Alabama and Georgia right now, you look at it and say, there's not anybody going to pick state to win those games. I mean, maybe some some maybe you know some dad in the wool true maroon homer fan might. I think if we're objective and honest with ourselves, chances of us winning those games are not very good. But outside of that, how do you look at the schedule and say that's a certain loss? Hey, it's tough going down to play at LSU. It is. But you know what? The last time we went down there, we beat them. We arguably should have beat them last year. We had some really, really bad play in the secondary that cost us. And then not to mention, have we forgotten the, the leaping penalty. We hold them, we finally get a stop. We got a chance to get back in the ball game. We give them a first down and they gash us. We still only lost the game by three points. As bad as we, we played. And so, yeah, we gotta get better quarterback play. We gotta get better wide receiver play. We gotta figure this left tackle situation out. Gotta make sure our secondary is good. And we've got numbers. We've allocated a ton of scholarship spots for the secondary to get better. And to me, that's kind of the issue, too. What's the sign of a good coach? The sign of a good coach is you're adding to the top and you're subtracting at the bottom. And so you begin to think about, okay, if we had just had an average field goal kicker last year with just a little bit of mental toughness, we're winning eight or nine games. But we didn't. Now we do. And so... Mike Leach recognized we had a deficiency there, and he went out and fixed it and go get Salute Groves, a finalist, to come be your kicker. We knew that we had some depth concerns in a secondary, so we'll go get Jackie Matthews, we'll go get Marcus Banks and others because we had a need. That's what good managers do. It's what good coaches do. We don't just say, well, we're going to coach them up. No, we're going to coach them up, but we're going to, we're going to increase the level of competition. And it's a little different in football than it is maybe in basketball or baseball because the roster size is so much bigger, right? <clears throat> so you don't ever want anybody being comfortable. Uh, but the reality of it is is it looks like, at least so far, that we've hit on transfers. that The guys that we have brought in are going to be guys that are capable of helping us. And then the guys that we're bringing back are improved and should be able to help us and with even greater regularity than they did last year. And so I'm sure we're going to have this conversation many times between now and Labor Day weekend. But I think it's a, it's important to kind of understand that we are seeing kind of the natural progression of the program again. And I don't know that a lot of our people, um, a lot of our people, fully appreciate kind of what happened that last year with Joe. And we've talked about it on the show, and, and I had people criticize me, and I said we had a culture issue. Well, we absolutely did. And anybody that says otherwise just wasn't paying attention or didn't know any better. We had developed a bad culture. And when Dan Mullen was here, we had great culture. We had great culture. We're kind of working back in that direction now too. And that's the thing too. These young men that we have are kind of bought into to what their coaches are telling them. It's not like, well, I'm just here to play college football. I'm just here for myself. You know, they believe in each other. And I think that is probably the most important thing as we kind of move forward, is that you have a team that believes in each other. They believe that they can, they're can. they capable of doing great things together. That's difficult to defeat. If you had not done so, I'm encouraged you to go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get personalized copies of all my sports books. That's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Dogpile. And we just had the second of Dogpile show up. Uh, less than 100 copies left of stark villains and alpha dogs i would say probably more like 30 copies left stark villains and again probably not going to be reprinted until 2024 i'm just giving you fair warning right now neither of those books so if you don't have them you need to get them you need to go ahead and fill it you say well steve i'm not ready to read it well you know what at some point soon you may be ready to read it you need to get it make sure you have it if you're looking for blooms of oleander you can find that at barnesandnoble.com booksandbillion.com um, Amazon. You can get it as an e-reader. How cool is that? It's the only book I have. It's available as an e-reader. Uh, it was just kind of a side project for me. I did it. Did really well. Very very happy and proud of the work. It wasn't something that I put a lot of time and effort into. I mean, I put my heart into those pages, but I didn't. Uh, you know, it didn't require a lot of editing or interviews and things like that. I just I just wrote from my heart. The book did really well. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. I wore a Stark Villain shirt yesterday. And I'm walking around, and like three or four people walked up and said, hey, man, I like your shirt. Well, you can get one, too, at starkvillains.com. Be sure and go check that out today. You'll be glad you did. All right, we're back on Monday, and I'll, I'll do my best to be on schedule. I hate going this legs, and a lot of you guys like to listen to me on the ride home, but we had football camp today, and we only have a handful of those. And so I want to be sure that we get out there, we get quality pictures, and make sure we're talking to the right guys. And uh, Paula and Robbie both turned out there today, and um, it'll just be me and Paul tomorrow. Uh, Saturday for the 707. But, uh, you know, this it's not its not a, a very common occurrence that we get all these guys on campus that Mississippi State is highly recruiting and have a chance to get pictures and have a chance to evaluate them and have a chance to see how they play and be able to kind of articulate that with you guys. Your coaching staff can't do it. They can't talk about recruits, but we can. And so we don't miss the opportunity to be out there whether it be baseball camps basketball camps or football camps to see the future bulldogs in action so we can kind of get you prepared for what's coming in the years to come that's it for today man we'll see you guys on monday you guys have a great weekend until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live